0: So glad all you guys are here today, um, I, I feel like I have something that, that will hopefully be encouraging to you and challenging to you and inspiring to you and so i 'm just going to pray and ask God to speak to us personally and individually the way that the Holy, only the Holy Spirit can do. God thank you for your presence in this place, and I pray that every eye, every heart, every ear would be attuned to what you have to say uh, to our lives. And I pray that you just use me in these moments to communicate to your uh, people what you have for them in Jesus' name, amen. I um, heard this story about a pastor who was uh, having a, healing prayer time in the service. So he had people coming up, and he was praying for sick people, and he would lay his hands on them, and uh, he anointed some with oil, and he just kept praying. And this one guy came up to him and said, could you pray for my hearing? And so he put his hands over his ears, and he prayed, and he started shouting, just getting this faith rising up in him. And Gave him another little anointing oil. And then he said, so how's your hearing? And he said, uh, well, I'll let you know Tuesday when I, when I appear in court. So um, <laughs> he was praying for one thing and the other guy was praying for something else. So that's why I asked the Holy Spirit to speak to you just in case we're not communicating. But uh, Holly and I went on vacation last month and when we were there, we stayed at this hotel called Zoetry. And it's spelled Zoe with the word Zoe. And they had a mission statement kind of on the wall. And so um, I knew what Zoe meant from the Greek word. It means life, you know, as in Jesus is the way, the truth, and the Zoe, life. Or I've come to give life abundantly. And so what it said on there is that they took the Greek word Zoe, meaning life, and then the word poetry meaning artful creation, and it inspired them to create this word zoetry. And it says, one of the truest expressions of art is living your life well. And so I just thought, well, I will just rip this off and bring it home and do a sermon on it because I just love that idea about the, the God kind of life and learning, and yet also it's an artistic expression. We are the, the workmanship, the poetry of God. And so I want to talk to you about a few things that, that might help so the, um, just how we can learn to live in sync with the Holy Spirit of God and learning to walk with God uh, in this season and in new seasons as things change. I um, came up with this thought that it says wisdom is hindsight that gives us insight so that we can live with foresight. And so I think that's what the word of God does. That's what the Holy spirit does. Give us insight and foresight. So, um, Today, I'm going to give you uh, three points, and at some point, I'm going to bring up my son, Jordan, and he's going to make one of the points today. So we're going to tag team a little bit, and um, I know you'll enjoy that. So the first point that I'm going to make today is uh, pursuing transcendent faith. So what I'm talking about is having faith that's greater than the circumstances. And if you think about the, the men and women we read about in Scripture who were facing difficulties they would respond, and they, there was a faith that was greater than the circumstances. So whether it was David fighting Goliath or um, Moses delivering the people uh, from Egypt or uh, Paul, Apostle Paul and different ones in the New Testament, you see them in different scenarios when they're in prison for their faith in Christ and they're singing and worshiping. Uh, I don't know if, if you could get into worship that strong in prison and, and back in those days, but the, uh, their faith was greater than the circumstances and completely changed the circumstances, didn't it? And so uh, what's interesting and what's important is that following Jesus does not free us from all of life's battles. Because sometimes we go through struggles and we think, oh, well, um, I must be doing something wrong, or, you know, maybe God's not with me. But you're just a normal human being like the rest of us. We're following God, but there are difficulties that come. And, you know, some problems we avoid with wisdom or discernment that God gives us. Some problems we overcome with the power of the Holy Spirit. But some, we just have to walk through them You know, like Jesus said, some mountains, we can speak to the mountains, say can be removed and be cast into the sea. And other mountains, you just got to climb over to get to the other side. And so we need this thing called transcendent faith. So how do we develop this transcendent faith so that we can overcome difficulties? You know, um, after you've been following God for a little bit, I can tell you sometimes we feel like things are falling apart, but we discover that actually they're falling together because God knows more about the story than we do. Does that make sense? So, back to the vacation spot at the Zoetry Hotel. We're laying on the beach, Holly and I, doing what we love to do on vacation. We're just laying there reading. And so, all of a sudden, Holly says to me, You know what the interesting thing is about whale vomit? I'm not making this up. I said, no, I don't. But I can't wait to hear what you've got to say because I'm pretty sure in 34 years of marriage, we have never had a discussion about whale vomit. So you got my attention. I'm all in. Go ahead. And she said, well, the interesting thing is that they used to make perfume and other women's makeup products with whale vomit. And so she said, so you can take something that looks bad and is a a bad thing and turn it into something good. So I was like, okay, I like that point. In fact, I'm going to use it in a sermon, partly because I like your concept, but mostly because I get to use the word whale vomit, and that's the third time I've said it already today because I just thought, wow, that's an interesting perspective, and so then we went back to our reading. But you think about it, that's what God does is take the ugly things in life and turns it into something amazing if we keep trusting him, we keep following him, we go through those difficult times. <laughs> and, um, but one way to find, to discover, to build this transcendent faith is knowing that we are loved by God that he loves us unconditionally that's what grace is the love of god and it's so easy for us to live in our human experience where we feel like some days we deserve it and some days we don't we think we earn it sometimes and don't earn it other times but god loves us just like we are he loves us and he wants to bring healing and he wants to bring change and give us wisdom and so that we're living a different kind of life but that's what the grace of God is, is that he sees you in all of your weaknesses and failures and he loves you anyway. He sees me with my frailties and my fragile aspects of my soul. In fact, every time I come up to preach, I say to the, to the Lord, I'm like, um, I have weaknesses and your word says that in my weakness you're made strong. So I pray that your grace would guide me right now. Because this service must have gonna have a lot of strong things happen because I got a lot of weaknesses. And because I know he's called me, but he sees my failures and my strengths, and and he chooses us by his plan, not by if we earned it. We wanna serve him, we wanna honor him the best that we can. But it makes me think of this story that Jesus told. It's my favorite parable in the Scripture, and it's been the heartbeat of our church and of my ministry here for 35 years, and it's, a, it's the, what you might know as the parable of the sower. I think the accurate title is the parable of the father's heart because you've got a father with two sons and one son is young and he wants his inheritance he takes some of his dad's money and he moves away and he moves to hollywood you know and just starts partying and spending money and and he he just hits hard times he loses all his money and he loses all his friends and he f- is filled with shame and unworthiness and and he said, I, I got to go back and be in my father's house. Things were so much better there. And so he comes back home and he's rehearsing this, this speech to tell his dad that I, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the, the father doesn't want to hear that. He runs, he sees him at a distance and he runs to his son and embraces him. He says, I love you and you are forgiven and you're a part of this family. And that's what the heart of God is for us. So we have to live every day of our life at the realization that we are loved, and that we don't live out of our brokenness. we live out of his fullness. And so then the older brother in this scenario, he stayed with the father. He was faithful, and yet he said, when he saw this happening, he got angry. And he said, well, I've been here all the time and you're showing all this love to him and what about me? And so that's why I think it's called the heart of the father because even the older son who stayed there didn't have the heart of the father or else he would have been rejoicing too. And and, And Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like, that there is joy over anybody who turns and comes to the father. And it's just because of how great his love is and um, I, I hope that we are able by the Holy Spirit to live more of our days, live more of our moments and hours, realizing that we are loved by God. I just... Be- That's good. It's, it's so important, and we say, Holy Spirit, just give us that personal revelation. I just have been listening to a Christian artist named uh, Torrin Wells, and one of the songs that he... Uh, put on his last uh, album is called known and listen to some of the lyrics he said I'm fully known and loved by you you won't let go no matter what I do and it's not one thing or the other it's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known fully known and loved by you I am fully known and loved by you I think that's a great way to love each other isn't it that you know each other's weaknesses and you love each other anyway. That's the kind of love that really changes somebody's life. Another way to make this transcendent faith emerge and grow in us is making the Word of God your priority. Like, you let the Word of God shape your thinking and shape your expectations and shape your interpretation of what's really going on. You know, one snapshot of a day or a moment is not the whole picture. It's not the whole story. And so we have to have the Word of God to guide us and shape us. Don't let other people's opinions or the critics who might say the Word of God is written thousands of years ago. It's, no, it's not relevant anymore. I want you to know the Word of God is alive and living and relevant to your life, relevant to your concerns, relevant to your fears, relevant to your brokenness. The Word of God is living, and you let that in your soul. It brings life. It causes faith to rise in the middle of the darkness. How can you believe when everything is dark? The word of God tells me, My God will never leave me nor forsake me. Isn't that strong? In Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Well, who is this they? he's talking about. Well, that's found conveniently in the verse just before this, verse 2, and it says, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. David c- comes back and writes about this again in Psalm 119, when he says, your word is a lamp to, my, uh, to guide my feet and a light for my path. Let the word of God be that light in your life. The Word of God brings faith to us in the moment. It helps us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when we've got the Word washing our mind and our soul and guiding us. Another way to find transcendent faith is with a genuine and effective prayer life. When we talk about prayer for the followers of Jesus, sometimes it brings up Tension or anxiety, or we always feel like, "Oh, I wish my prayer life was better or different." Or so when we think about prayer, we are we're already thinking how inadequate we are. But uh, your prayer life is your prayer life; it's personal, and um, we can't be genuine followers of Jesus without making prayer part of our daily life. But it's very personal. So, I can tell you, I have personal, intimate conversations with my wife, but I don't tell you what they are, because they're personal. And so, I can't stand up here and tell you, you need to pray like I pray, because the way I pray is the way you should pray. But no, the way I pray is personal. And I may not want to share with you everything I pray about. So, there. You have to figure out your own prayer life. But the thing is, I do have a few thoughts that might be able to help you with it. But um, um, I I do think that we don't have to be focused on, like, do I pray an hour every day? Or um, do I pray a certain length of time? It's a day filled with moments of prayer. We do need to have extended Times of undistracted prayer throughout the week, but it's just not a legalistic thing. It's a relationship with God. It's intimacy with Him. In Luke 5:16, it says, "If we are genuine followers of Jesus or no, I'm sorry I'm looking at another line here. Uh, it says here that Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness for prayer. And so, as followers of Jesus, and we see what he did often, then we should be following him. So, the Oasis Church needs to be, must be a house of prayer. And what that means is that you and I need to be people of prayer. So, Because we make up this house. The house isn't praying. That's you and me. God answers prayer. It's our job to do the praying and asking. In Luke 11, it says this Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. It's interesting, the disciples, those closest to him, they didn't say, teach us to preach, or teach us to relax, or teach us to do miracles. They said, teach us to pray because there's something that we see in you that when you pray and what happens in your life, we know that's the secret. Teach us that, Lord Jesus. Make that part of your heart cry to God. Teach me to pray. A great preacher named S.M. Lockridge, um, many of you may have heard him do this sermon called, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's a powerful sermon that many pastors like myself sort of ripped off from Pastor Lockridge. But he said this He goes, "Uh, Everyone has a check made out in heaven, but few cash it at the window of prayer. So there's something about us connecting with God. And he says, Pray for your personal life and pray for your public life. Pray when you're sorrowful so you don't become cynical. Pray when you're prosperous so you will not become spiritually poor because that's the worst kind of poverty. He tells us that in our sin, we declare our independence from God. But in our prayer, we declare our dependence on God. Prayer is so powerful in our life. Um, When we pray... We talk to God, and then we listen. You know, prayer is not a monologue. That's one of the reasons that we shy away from, is like, I don't know what to say. Well, you know what? You're on the right track, because it's more important that we hear what God says than he hears what we've got to say. Does that make sense? He's like, God, we like to pray long prayers. Lord, here's what you should do. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to find a scripture to prove it. And if you could do it this way and now, that would be awesome. How about we just know our Father knows our needs before we ask. And we talk to him and then we listen. We, we are in his presence. And what I want to tell you, one time Dan Rather, the CBS anchor, uh, was interviewing Mother Teresa. And he said, so what do you uh, talk to God about when you pray? And she said, I don't talk, I listen. And he's like, oh, well, what does God say? And then she smiling and goes, he listens too. And if you don't understand that, it's hard to explain. <laughs> but what she's saying, I think, is that just being in God's presence, it's not about doing always, just like in a relationship we have with each other. I just sometimes just like to sit with somebody, you know? I like to sit with Holly and just, we're reading. I especially like to lay on the beach while we're reading. There's something special about that relationship. But it's not always about what's said or what's not said. It's enjoying something together, and that's what God offers to us. And I think about what the song Tristan just sang, the Whitney Houston song, I Look to You. And I love this one line, I that says and when melodies are gone and you i hear a song i wonder how many people with so many creative people in this room i wonder how many of you have kind of lost your song have you lost the lyrics that were once guiding your life that were it was heaven's song in your soul I'll tell you, if you will look to him, you will discover this transcendent faith, and that song will come to life again. In fact, God might be writing a new song in your soul, and it comes from listening to the Father and spending time with him. A second thing I want to talk to you about today that is part of the, the uh, art of walking with God, living um, the God life, is knowing the power of Perseverance. And so, that just feels, when you hear it, like, hang in there, man. It gets tough, and you just got to hang in and just keep hanging on. But perseverance is greater than that. In fact, it says in Hebrews ten thirty six, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he promised. So, if you think about it, perseverance is that spiritual quality that is what allows all other spiritual qualities of substance to deepen inside of us. And so, if we don't have perseverance, we're not around long enough to have patience. We're not around long enough to have genuine love that is undefinable in our life. It comes by continuing to follow him, persevering in the will of God. It's... It involves endurance. It involves persistence. It involves trusting God when things are going good and when things are not going good. But there's something special about that quality in us, and um, that will bring you into places that nothing else will, is persevering in the will of God. And so, and rather than just leaving it at trying to be tough One of the things I want to, I think, really makes a difference in our ability to persevere in life is that we try to find emotional health for your soul. And what I'm talking about is when you're reading God's word, when you're praying, when you're serving as you go in life, let God step into that inner place that you try to protect from other people those fears, those hurts, those pains. Let him heal in that place in your life where only he can do it. It's allowing yourself to do some work. If, if you don't see all the circumstances in line with your next season, your next opportunities, be faithful with what you've got. And while you're in this moment, let God work on your soul I've heard somebody say, it's okay to not be okay. And I agree with that, because that's how God sees us. But I do, because I'm a teacher, I like to overanalyze stuff. So, but it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to be not okay and not want to change. Or not want to grow. And so, um, you know, we talk, we hear a lot of talk about mental health. And we should have that discussion. We should be thinking about it and aware of it with people. But I would like to say that you have to be careful if you make some random comment, like de- you say with well meaning intent, depression and anxiety and other mental health issues. It's a pretty broad sweep of the brush and can be very hurtful to somebody. There is something called normal depression, it's called grief and sorrow. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to grieve or have sorrow over a loss in life, over a setback or a disappointment. We, we are human beings with souls and emotions. And if we push it down and not deal with it, I'll tell you whether the hurt in your life was 10 years ago or 10 months ago or 10 days ago, pain from the past has a way of showing up in your present. And so allow the Holy Spirit because sometimes there's such a desperate need we have for attention or to be loved or to feel significant. And so we're having this thing drive us in our soul. It, It sort of contaminates everything we do because it's like, you like me, right? But if we could just get to that place where we're happy with who we are and who we're not. We're happy with doing what God's given to us for this moment. It may not be what God has given Jordan to do, or it may not be what God's given Tristan to do. It's just what he's given me to do. So I'm going to do that. I've wasted a little time trying to do what he's given other people to do. Anybody out here that knows what I'm talking about? It's like, wow, if I was really doing this thing right, then God would be using me to reach 10,000 people instead of three or 4,000. And it's just like, But, you know, there's somebody leading a church with 500 who's saying, wow, if I could only do what Oasis is doing. But that's not how it works. You just are faithful with what gives you. We're the ones that sow and water. God's the one who brings the increase. It's up to him. You can live the rest of your life frustrated because you haven't gotten the fruit you wanted to see, but then you're blind to the fruit you do have. This is... This is, they're not pretty good. I didn't even say that in the first service. This is for you guys. Okay, here's three quick things. Uh, resolve wounds of the past. This will help you get free um, so that you can continue to persevere. Two, overcome poor life models that have shaped us, shaped you. could be a family of origin. It could be experiences with, in school or, or with your dating life or your married life and the wounds that you carry overcoming those and then third change from an unhealthy pace of life and the reason I say it like that is because just like I said sometimes we get so busy and we're in such a hurry we're making lots of noise so we don't get quiet and hear this voice going I'm angry and unfulfilled so we keep busy but We don't have to let that drive us. At generosity.org, we use this term, breaking the cycle of poverty, restoring dignity, and inspiring dreams. It's a great purpose for mission work, humanitarian work in other countries. But listen, that's a great project for you and I on our own soul. And it starts with restoring dignity in our soul, letting God do that in our heart. We can just enjoy so much more of life. You heard of this thing called FOMO, the fear of missing out? Man, that's a real thing. People are just driven. It's like... What are you nervous about? I don't know. There's something else good going on, and I'm not there. I'm here. I found this new one I like better. It's called Jomo. It's the joy of missing out. I like it. Is there any, are there any introverts in the building? I know you won't raise your hand, but you love missing out on what's next, don't you? It's like, oh, it's canceled? Yes. <laughs> All right, so uh, right now I'm going to have my son Jordan come up, and he's going to bring his point to this message.
1: All right, it's been a good word so far, you know, learning about FOMO, JOMO. Never even heard of JOMO before, but I like that, you know. Sometimes missing out on, on the wrong things is actually a good thing, right? Hey, but uh, speaking of FOMO, you know what I mean? I, I grew up in church, obviously. My dad being been a pastor for the last 35 years here. So we had a lot of FOMO growing up when I was a kid, you know, like when Halloween would come around. Like we didn't celebrate Halloween, obviously, because that was the devil's day, you know what I mean? Like couldn't celebrate that. We had, we had harvest festivals instead, you know, so I didn't get to dress up as like Peter Pan, but I was Peter from the Bible, you know what I mean? Like, so (laughs) I'd come in there, who are you? I am the rock on which Jesus is going to build his church and even the gates of hell will not prevail. Obviously I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, you know, so it was awkward, And then, uh, you know, Christmas would come around, and, you know, I was like four years old, ruining people's Christmas, telling them Santa wasn't real, you know. God is the only giver of gifts, you know what I mean? He gave us the greatest gift, his son Jesus, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, bro, (laughs) cool. So, uh, you know, that was my upbringing, but by the grace of God, somehow I'm still here, you know. And God has been good to me, and he's been good to our family, and he's been good to this church. And I just wanted to share just one quick thought when my dad asked me to do this, and uh, you know, just out of 2 Corinthians 8, chapter 1, it's, uh, it says, Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace God poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. For even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering, they became even more filled with joy. Just I, I think about that, man. How is it possible that even in a time of tremendous suffering... And horrible events happening around us that there could be a joy that comes on the inside of us that allows us to persevere and to be a hope for other people. And, and it's something that has always inspired me about Paul and his life and what he had gone through. Sometimes we love to quote the scriptures of Paul. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we forget this man wrote that in prison. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this guy has walked through the fire, but yet had a revelation of who God was that not only set himself free, but was a message that turned the world upside down. And at a time when we talk about religious freedom, like, you know, in politics today, as if God ever needed religious freedom to get his message across. The greatest move of God happened when it was illegal to be a Christian and people were getting hung upside down and thrown in prisons, and yet we're talking about religious freedom. God doesn't need politics. God just needs an open and willing heart and somebody who's willing to let God use them. And I think about the gifts that God has placed inside of us. And each and every one of us have a unique calling and gifting on our life. And the worst thing we could ever do is look at somebody else who's walking in their grace zone and living out the call of God in their life and start to be like, I want to do that thing. Man, I wish I could sing like Tristan, man. And, man, I'm, you know, it's so beautiful up here. But man, if I tried to do that, I would miss out on the unique thing that God has placed inside of me. Sometimes the best thing, you know, Christian, the Christian walk is often a great paradox, right? You know, Jesus said, if you want to be great, you got to become a servant. If you want to find life, true life, you've got to be willing to lose your life. Sometimes it's in the losing of everything we thought we needed that we actually discover the one true thing that we actually need. And we begin to hear his voice a little bit clearer and a little bit louder. and I'm, I think about my dad and I think about the life that he 's lived, and you know, today is the last Sunday he will be preaching as lead pastor in this church. and I think about that it 's not the last time he 'll ever be preaching here, so it 's okay, but I mean as lead pastor of this church, and I think about the legacy and I think about the life and I think about the mantle on his life, and, and I 'm reminded of this scripture and I just want to share a story, you know, that he told me when he was, you know, he told me a while ago, and I think he wrote it in his book as well, but when he was maybe 19 or 20 years old, he, he was, uh, you know, he grew up a pastor's kid as well, but kind of had a rocky relationship early on, and, and, you know, even with his dad or with God and trying to figure out who he was, but he was on this missions trip when he was 19 or 20 in, in uh, Bourbon Street in Louisiana in New Orleans, and, and they were kind of reaching out to different people at bars or, you know, just, I, you know, I don't know what they were doing, passing out business cards, telling people Jesus loves them, all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, as he was walking, he was kind of by himself, and he realized nobody's going over here, and there was a strip club over there, and so he walked. He decided, you know what? You know, he's only 19 or 20, so he didn't really, you know, think everything through. But he walks in there, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna start telling people that Jesus loves them." You know, he was that guy. You know, so he goes in there, and uh, and some, I guess some girl was walking out, and maybe she's, you know, in her 20s or something, and gives her his, his card, and he says, hey, you know, Jesus loves you, man. He's got a great plan for your life, and I just want, you know, if you ever want to pray with somebody, you can call me, or you come to our office, and I'd be happy to pray with you, and, and that was really it. It was just a brief conversation, and, uh, and so then, you know, a few days later, or, or, you know, later that day, people were like, Philip, where were you? And he, after he told them, they were like, man, you can't do that. You can't go in there. You're not, you know, you have to go in with some other people, and but then a few days later. She, uh, she ended up calling and coming by the office and saying, hey, is Philip here? Like, he gave me this card, and I just, I've been going through a lot, and I'm, you know, really j- struggling and depressed about some things. I just want to see if he could pray for me. And after they ended up talking, he prayed with her and ended up leading in her in a relationship with Jesus. And I just think about the mantle that's on his life is he's always been somebody that's willing to go to the places and to the people that nobody else wanted to go. And I think about this church at the time when it was started. Not many people were starting churches in the city because it was a lot easier, safer, and more affordable to start him in the suburbs, but God knew that the city of L.A. needed a church like Oasis, and it needed a man that was humble enough and bold enough to work two jobs while he was starting a church in his house, that people might get to know that God has a plan for their life, and that nothing that God says about your life is impossible, and God can work it out, And, and I think about the other story that he told me, you know, this happened maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and there was a woman in our church and she was struggling financially and she was a you know volunteer someone who served regularly and, and this is maybe 15 20 years ago maybe a while ago and, and and she wanted to get a car but she couldn't afford it couldn't have a, didn't have a credit a good enough credit and and my dad was willing to he, you know he co-signed on her car to get her a car and she was so thankful and helped her like ultimately get a job and you know that woman was was Sherry Shepherd and now she's a host on the view and has acted in many many things and <laughs> But he was willing to co-sign before she was the Sherry Shepherd that we all know. Just a woman struggling to get by in L.A. that had a hope and a dream, and he was willing to take a chance on somebody. I think about the man that he is. is he's somebody willing to take chances on people that most people wouldn't. Willing to believe in people when, some, when most people wouldn't. I think about the legacy and the mantle on his life. Isn't that like Jesus that he just so believed in us? that God was willing to send his son to die just in case we decided to believe in him and follow him and trust him. And think about that. I'm reminded of this scripture in 1 Corinthians. It says, brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the, the, the puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly and laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent. And I really think that's a testimony of what God has done in this church that he just took an ordinary couple, didn't have a lot of money at the time, didn't have all the education or the influence or the relationships, but just faithfulness after faithfulness, perseverance after perseverance, God took just a little community of 10 or so people in a house and turned it into what we see today as Oasis Church. So I'm just so grateful. Can we give some honor and some love to Pastor Philip as he comes and brings the rest of this word? Come on.
0: You know, I'm so proud of my son. He's he's so gifted. There's a great calling on his life, and um, um, it's probably the dream of every dad to hear their kids say something, you know, like he did. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't the plan. It's especially awkward because my next point was about showing honor to people, but now I don't don't feel like I, you just saw that. So um, I guess I would say the reason I put that in there is because, um, as my last point, is because I really do believe that honor will make or break your relationships. That I really truly believe that honor is the language of heaven that throughout the scripture you read about honor the Lord and honor the Sabbath, honor the first fruit of your increase, honor your father and mother, honor elders, and you see this on and on. And it's, it's demonstrated by God honoring his son, God the Father. This is my son whom I'm pleased. Listen to him. And you hear how the son gives Honor to the Father, and how the Holy Spirit gives honor to Jesus. It's what brings life. And every relationship, there is an element of honor and dishonor. And it's done in our words, it's done in our actions. And if you're struggling in your marriage or struggling in relationships or family, You know, the the frustrating thing is when it comes to honor, it's always your turn. And you can't really get somebody else to do it. You just have to show it yourself. So you say, Lord, show me, is there somehow I'm dishonoring the people that I care about? Is there something I'm saying or doing? Or is there something I'm not saying or not doing that's giving dishonor? I tell you, if you can begin to remove dishonor from your relationship, you can radically change it by giving honor, bringing honor into the relationship. And I think that as we prepare to close, what I'm gonna do is just lead up to praying with you, and then we're gonna have a moment of worship together where we just give honor to God and we invite the Holy Spirit to bring things to our remembrance that we heard or talked about today, or um, asking God to, to speak to your soul while we're singing. Listen, what is God saying to you? But one of the scriptures that I would want to leave you with is one that's in the Book of Revelation, three twenty, and it says Jesus is speaking. To people, and I think it reveals the heart of the Father, and I think it reveals the posture of Jesus to all of humanity. And this verse says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. He's painting a picture of if you are willing, if Maybe you're hearing today, like, I need something more. I need faith in my life. I need uh, to find that healing that you've talked about. That's you hearing the, the voice of God. It's he- you hearing Jesus knocking on the door of your life so that you can honor God by letting Christ into your circumstances. You can honor Jesus by opening the door, saying, I need you in my career I need you in my relationships. I need you in my faith. I can't do this on my own. And God will always respond. God will come in. And one of the things that many people misunderstand is that we all need to have this moment in life that comes from you only. Many times our friends or family help us and do a good thing by exposing us to faith taking us to church or raising us up a certain way, but it comes down to you. Has there ever been a day that you said, I'm making this decision myself as, as an adult. I, today, I'm putting my faith in Jesus as my Savior. That's the day that every follower of Jesus comes to and makes that decision, and that's what changes their world.